Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Infuse. My name is Caitlin, and I'm so excited to be here with you. Those sports themes videos, I'm glad you guys enjoyed those as much as I did. Because, man, you can watch this for, like, hours on YouTube. There are, like, tons of these out there. But it's all into our theme, home, run, life, right? The sports-related thing. I wasn't going to do the puns for you all today, but instead thought we could share some funny sports videos. Um, but a little bit about myself in case we haven't met before. My name is Caitlin. I serve here at Infuse as group's director. I'm also on the teaching team, which is why I'm on stage as a ministry student. This is something that I'm working towards. And um, there's me. Wonderful. I also brought a picture of my family for you guys today. Um, that is my son, Nash. He's three. And you heard from my husband, Joe, last week. Um, if you missed that video, feel free to check it out in um, Ryan's sermon as well about serving. So that is us. We live here in Tiffin. I work as a speech therapist, um, and then also I'm here most Sundays at Infuse with all of you. And so I'm excited to be here to wrap up our final week of Home Run Life. And we're going to do this in a pretty unique way today, and I'm excited for that too. But if you've missed it, we've been talking about in Home Run Life, God's game plan for success. So um, we've been talking about running those bases. We talked about the whole game plan. Stephanie got that on week one. Um, depending on God, and then winning within our character, winning with others. Ryan touched on last week, um, serving others' relationships. And then today, we're going to get to third base. And honestly, um, on week one when I sat in the seats, this was the one I wanted to know. I was like, okay, but how do I win the results? <laughs> like, how do I get to that base? I get it. Like, we're going to talk about all these, but like, this is the one I was curious about. And maybe you're in those shoes too. So I'm excited to be able to wrap that up with you. Um, this is also based off of a book. I don't have it here to show you, but based off of a book, Home Run Life by John Maxwell and Kevin Meyer. So if you've missed any of the last three weeks of messages, or if you just want to dive in more to what you've been hearing about, check out that book on Amazon or at a local bookstore. And um, on our website, you can watch the previous messages as well. So I encourage you to do that. But like I said, this is the one that I've been waiting for because I think if we're honest with ourselves, we're all searching for success. Everyone in our lives, we are trying to win results. We're trying to get to that achievement, that goal that we've set for ourselves. And it looks different for all of us. We measure that in very different ways based on our season of life, our career, where we're at, our age, all those things matter and how we measure our success, but I think we're all chasing it. For some of us, it's a job-related success. So you're trying to climb that career ladder, whatever that looks like to you. Maybe it's even trying to achieve a degree, right? You're studying really hard to get that degree that you set out on, that's the result you're trying to win. For some of us, it might be financial success a financial result that we've set for ourselves. Maybe that's owning your own home, owning more than one home, which in Johnson County, I feel like that's hard to do, but maybe that's the goal you set out for yourself. Or, um, you know, having enough money to feel, quote unquote, comfortable, whatever that is, right? Maybe it's some form of relational success or relationship. Maybe for you, when you envision your life, the success, the result that you were looking for was a certain type of um, marriage, right? 
a certain, certain type of family. My family's gonna look this way. We're gonna live in this kind of house. We're gonna have this kind of life. And that's the result that you've been trying to get to. Again, I think all of us just wanna feel like we finally made it that we got there, that we got to that third base, that we hit that home run and we got those results that we were looking for, no matter what they look like or how we're measuring that. And don't get me wrong as we go throughout this, results really do matter, they do. Because when we're putting in that hard work, whether that's towards your degree, your job, your relationship, your finances, we're working hard to achieve that and, and that matters. That deserves celebration. Because think of the times that you have put in the hard work in your life or um, the, the ways that you've reached some of those goals you've set out for yourself and how you felt afterwards, right? You felt like it deserved to be celebrated and hopefully you were celebrated. If not, I was gonna make a little pun that one of my teachers used to do. You give yourself a round of applause. Do you get it? Yeah? Give yourself a round of applause for getting there, for doing that, you deserve it. That deserves some celebration. But even more so than celebrating the actual result is celebrating how you got there, right? Because think of those times in your life where you did achieve a result and you were celebrating or felt like internal that celebration. You probably weren't necessarily celebrating that you achieved it, but you were celebrating all the things you put in to get to that point. All the hours you dedicated all the ways that you sacrifice to make that happen, right? And when you get there, that's what you're celebrating. So even more important than the results is how we get there. And if we are cutting those other bases in our life short, it doesn't feel like as much of a win when we get to third base. If we're stepping on our character, to achieve that, right? If we're going against our morals, against our beliefs, against our integrity, doesn't really feel like as much of a win. If we're having to step on other people to get there, throw someone under the bus, um, set aside some relationships in our life, even manipulate those around us to get those results, that doesn't feel like as much of a win. Stephanie touched on this in um, the first week about God's game plan that we can get really caught up in the third base chase. I think she called it eliminating the third base chase, right? Because if we're just trying to cut from home plate to third, which I get, because that's easy to do, but we're missing out on so much more. It can be really easy to do that, and I think a lot of us fall into this trap because we put so much, if we go back to that last slide with the bases, we put so much effort, so much of our um, sense of purpose, our identity, our worth in those results, right? That's a lot, that's heavy. And because we put so much of our sense of purpose here, it's easy to want to just run to third base. And I think no matter where you're at in your life, that it's easy to do. And I think um, for me personally, and maybe for some of you sitting in the seats or watching online today, you've kind of thought about this before. Because especially when it comes to our careers, right, our jobs, that 
we know we have to do those things. We know that we have to win results somewhere in our life because we are relying on that to provide for ourselves. We're relying on that, that career, that success to provide for others, to provide for our families. So it matters, right? And it, it's that question you kind of balance in your head of like, well, um, how do I create time for myself or for my family or for relationships or even for God sometimes when I'm so focused on just trying to get by, right? I'm so focused on what I need to do to provide, to meet my needs, to meet the needs of the people that I'm supporting. It can be a really tricky thing to balance and even admit to ourselves. And it could be not even like the financial aspect of your job that's fueling um, those results for you. Maybe it's even just that achieving those successes fuels your mental image of yourself. It fuels your, your mental health a little bit, right? But what about when we ask ourselves about all the other areas of needs in our life, spiritually, relationally, mentally, physically, financially? There's so many ways that we feel we need to be provided for. And oftentimes that falls onto third base. So I want you guys to ask yourselves today, who is your provider? Like really let that sink in and think about who is providing for you? How would you fill in that blank if you were answering it honestly? Would it be um, your job title that that job provides for you? Maybe it's the company that you work for. Maybe it's your boss's name. Maybe it's your spouse, your family. Maybe some, if we think outside of the financial bounds, right, of like spiritually, mentally, um, even physically, what's providing for us. Maybe you're putting in some other areas and aspects of your life there too. And I don't think that those of us who call ourselves Christians or followers of Jesus are exempt from falling into this third base chase trap. We're not. We're just as susceptible as everyone else because we're all imperfect people. But that's where the game plan that's set out for us really starts to fall apart. When we try to wrap up our lives in these results, when we lean into providers like the ones that we just named, it doesn't change the fact that behind the scenes and those other areas of our lives, things are falling apart, right? It doesn't change that. And we're all susceptible to falling into that third base chase. And I think something that we forget and something that's really crucial for us to remember, and not just this week, not just in this series, but throughout our lives, because when I heard this, it was a little bit of a knife to the heart. So for some of you, prepare yourselves. You might feel that way. It's a little convicting, but your purpose is not in your career. It's in your creator. Hurts a little. You feel that. Your purpose is in your career, not in your creator. In other words, we're putting our career above our creator. And, it, and what we should be doing is saying our creator is greater than our career. Our purpose is in our creator, not in our career. 
And if you're sitting there thinking, well, yeah, Caitlin, I hear you, but um, I don't have a career like you would say, right? I'm, I, I'm a stay-at-home mom, or I'm retired, or I fall into these other categories. There's still some way, right? You still have jobs in your life. You still have responsibilities. You still have ways that you are getting your needs met. So envision those two, but whatever that is, your purpose is not in those things. It's in your creator. And when we forget that, when we get this all flipped, then those results just really don't feel as good. God created us with an intention for this game plan that we've been talking about, for running the bases from home plate all the way around back to home plate to score. He crafted us with special skills and talents and gifts and unique strengths and weaknesses to make that happen. And with his game plan in mind, with depending on him first, that's how we win within, win with others, and then ultimately win those results, which turns back to him at home base because he is the provider for those things. And I know not everyone in this room today is probably on board with claiming God as your provider um, or your creator for that matter, and that's okay. We encourage you to explore that as an option. And what could that look like for you? How could things in your life look different if the person that was providing for you, um, instead of it being your job, your boss, your career, or those other people in your life that maybe quite aren't quite as dependable. Instead, that provider was God. It was someone that was so much bigger than yourself, someone that never changed, someone that never left when things got messy or hard, someone that always extended grace to you, that was just there if you wanted it, right? They're not pushing it on you. And what would that look like? How would that change how you approach your day-to-day life, how you approach entering the workplace on Monday morning, how you approach your relationships with others? I think that it would look a lot different. I think it would change the way that I, it's changed the way I view my work, work day this past week after hearing this of remembering that my purpose is in my creator, not in my career. My purpose is something so much greater that isn't gonna go away or change on a dime. So we're gonna do something a little different today um, to wrap up the series, and I'm really excited about it. Um, We are gonna invite up Danielle Hardcastle, who is here um, to join us. You can come up, Danielle. She is currently serving as a missionary and we are going to do a little question and answer session live for you guys. This is like, you are like the live um, audience at a talk show, I feel like. Yeah. Yay. There we go. Yeah. Online chime in. I've never been to one, so I don't know what it's like, but that's what I imagine. <laughs> Clapping, laughing, no booing, though. We're not that kind of talk show, so you can keep that to yourself. <laughs> but um, Danielle <laughs> is a missionary full-time. That's her full-time job, right? Yeah, and she's currently based um, in Croatia. I got that wrong once this morning. I was like, not gonna mess that up again. She is based in Croatia. And if you aren't sure what a missionary is, um, a missionary is someone who dedicates their life to serving and teaching others um, about God and Jesus. And that's their job. But you've had other jobs too, and we're gonna get into that. So 
let me get up into my chair here and join you. So welcome, Danielle. Thank you. So good to be here. <laughs> this really does feel like a talk show. That really felt like it was like, It yeah. really does feel like a talk yeah. show. That's kind of fun. Okay. Maybe this is my calling, my second calling. Oh, there you go. Like Ministry, late night show. Yeah. And then like the next, I don't know, I don't, talk show host. I'm not going <laughs> to name specific names here. Okay. So Danielle, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself um, and your background, where you're from, and kind of how you got into this unique field of work. So, like I said, my name is Danielle Hardcastle. Um, I am originally from Iowa as well, except mm. the opposite side of Iowa. We're in the town of Glenwood, and it's, you know, very close to Omaha, Nebraska, right there on the border. And um, I, uh, I got into missions. Uh, we, we always said that I, I felt called into missions as a kid. I had a missionary come speak at my ch local church, and from then on, I was probably eight years old, nine years old, and was just so interested in what it would be like to maybe live in another country, um, to to uh, serve God in that way. And and so when I was 16 years old, I went on a mission trip to Tanzania, and I was there for the summer, and I just fell in love with um, with the whole missions. Um, yeah. kind of career and uh being overseas and um preaching the gospel all of these things and so as i grew up more i i went to college and in my first year of college i applied to be a missionary with the church of the nazarene and as a 18 year old they weren't quite ready to send me to another a foreign country <laughs> at that point and so what they they asked me to do was to um pick a country uh, or pick a continent, actually, and serve over the summers. Um, each summer, pick a different continent and just gain experience. And the first place I was going to go was Croatia. Mm. However, that was 2020. Yeah. And so that and summer... we all know what happened in 2020, We right? all know what happened in 2020. <laughs> Our plans got derailed. <laughs> and so, yep, my plans got derailed. Yeah. I, my trip got canceled, and I moved back to Iowa, and... I eventually, I switched to online school, and I got back in contact with everybody and found out I can, I can do ministry. I can do online school from anywhere in the world. And so we just decided to, to go for it, and I moved to Croatia. And yeah. so it was all a surprise. I never thought I would end up in Croatia. Um, I had a plan to be in missions, but it did not look anything like I had envisioned. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking earlier a little bit about that, too, of, like, you knew that's what you wanted to do, right? That was the result that you were looking for, but um, how you got there wasn't exactly what you pictured. So you were sharing a little bit of how your plan got derailed, so you're doing your online school, which you're still continuing to do. Yeah, I am. Yep, yep. and for a degree of? Theology. Theology, yeah. So call to ministry there as well. And, um, but that was, like, January of 2021, right? You were saying how things you were like ready to go. I was ready to go even before that. Yeah. I, I um, in the fall of 2020, that was when we got back in contact with everybody and I um, had decided to move there. And at that point, we just, I just needed to fundraise. And so all of that went, happened very quickly. We, yeah. we, I said I would move there. And then two months later, I was supposed to be in Croatia. Mm -hmm. But 
Croatia had travel restrictions, which prevented you from actually getting there. And so January came when I was supposed to go, and you couldn't get, nobody could get into the country. Yeah. And so eventually I, I was just trying to act on faith. And I said, maybe if maybe if I just quit my job and get ready, like yeah. I'll be ready to go whenever this happens. And so in January, I quit my job. And then it was two months later in March when the doors to Croatia finally opened. And so I was checking the website every single day to yeah. see when I could get in. And eventually they opened the doors and I booked a ticket for the next week to get there. And I was just telling Danielle how amazing that is, too, because I think um, taking those big steps of faith are really difficult because, right, we feel that need to have our needs met, right? We need that provide provision in our life. And so for you to say, you know, like, hey, I know that this is going to happen, and uh, I'm going to quit my job. What were you doing at the time? I was a caretaker for people with disabilities at the time. Yeah. And just to be able to say, you know, like, this is what I need to do to make this happen. And that's a big step, and it's a little scary, but it really forces you to lean into your ultimate provider. So Yeah, definitely. And during that time, God provided in many ways that I, I couldn't have even expected. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any of those that you can share? Um, well, for example, when I moved to Croatia, I was still going to college in the U.S. Now I go to a college called European Nazarene College. Um, but at the time, I was going to a U.S. college, and um, I moved to Croatia. And when I moved there, you know, you don't have any income. You're a volunteer. And I had basically no way to pay for college. Um, I, um, yeah, you were saying it was like around like $500 a month mm -hmm. to continue with the program that she wanted to continue with. Yes. Yep. And so, and so when I moved to, to Croatia, I, I just asked God, I'm like, I know that you're calling me to this. Um, I also know that you have put studying theology on my, my heart, and I know, like, you're going to have to make this happen, practically. <laughs> and so once, as uh, basically day one when I got to Croatia, I, I met with my, uh, my pastor there, my colleague, and she said, well, why don't you come study with us at European Nazarene College, which turned out to be something like $10 per credit hour. And so difference. it was just immediately, as soon as I got there, God met that need to, yeah. to continue studying. Yeah, that's awesome. I really like that story. I forgot that we didn't show you the map, because if you're geographically challenged like myself, this is good yes. to know, too. Sorry, we kind of skipped that. But yes, Croatia is the one there in red, right? Yeah. Yes. So this is Croatia, you know, right across the sea from Italy. And so the coast it has a very long, beautiful coastline with, I think, over a thousand islands. And so it's very, that coastline is Mediterranean, it's beautiful. Um, but Croatia itself, uh, maybe you guys would have heard of it from ex-Yugoslavia. Um, it's one of the countries that broke up during that time. And it's in the Balkans. It's a country of only 4 million people. Um, and I live in the capital city, Zagreb, and that has 1 million people. So a huge portion of the, the population there. Yeah, yeah, that's discrepancy there it's probably is that pretty rural after that in Croatia um it just depends there are yeah. a couple other big cities um if you go more towards the east in Croatia there's more farmland well if you go to the west in Croatia you see it's got the, the coastal cities and um and so and tell us a little bit about what um you do in Croatia now and I think you mentioned like that wasn't really the plan maybe that you had for yourself but it's where you ended up and 
I was it just supposed to be for a visit and then you ended up staying or originally it was supposed to be for two months and okay. that was the trip that got canceled and then I, I went for longer instead yeah now you've been there for two years right yep, two years yeah so tell us a little bit about what in that two years like what you've been doing and kind of the ways that God's been using you in Croatia so in Croatia, I'm working with the Church of the Nazarene. We have one church, and uh, one Nazarene church in all of Croatia, and it's a church plant. And this church was first started as, with Croatian people, um, but in 2015, there was a huge wave of refugees that came into Croatia. And so to meet the, I mean, we were talking millions uh, of people. And so to meet these big needs, the church kind of switched to be a refugee church. Yeah. And so that's our, our main work at the time. At, at this time, we are working with Middle Eastern refugees, and this has been uh, for a few years now. Um, we have refugees. Um, we have, it's a very international church. Um, yeah, like, are these some pictures of your church? Yes. Yeah. So we actually um, <laughs> don't have our own building. We, right now, this is the building that we're meeting in. Uh, we can relate. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. And... Before we were able to meet in here, there's another church that allows us to meet there, but we met in the park when it was nice outside. We have a, a space, but kind of grew out of that. And so we were what we call kind of like a nomad church. Yeah. yeah. But it's very, very international. Because of all these refugees that came in, there's other um, uh, immigrants, expats, all these people who come to Zagreb for work or to live there. And... They, they feel comfortable at this church because it's English-speaking and there's so many people from all over the world that they can find something to kind of fit in with. So we have people from Syria, Egypt, Iran, uh, Palestine. We have um, people from Germany, Burundi, South Africa, all over the world. Wow. And um, a lot of those you heard are from the Middle East and that's most of these people came as refugees. And they've come for lots of different reasons. They've come because of war, religious persecution, um, domestic uh, violence. There's tons and tons of reasons why uh, people have left their countries. And what, what would they would do? Actually, if you go back to the map really quick, I could show this. So you see the um, Middle East down here. Um, uh, like we have people from Syria and Iran, right over here. What they would do is they would travel into Turkey, they would go through Turkey, and then they would board um, the rafts. Have you guys seen pictures of those boats that people come into Greece on? They would board those rafts and cross the sea to Greece. It's very dangerous. Lots of, um, of these boats sink in that sea, and lots of people drown on their way. And then uh, when they get to Greece, they travel up and walk through Europe, practically, and wow. that's how they get to Croatia eventually. Quite a journey. Quite a journey. Yeah. Yeah. And so what the church is doing with Middle Eastern refugees is for a long time they were welcoming them to the country, helping them get um, papers, and um, people were living in refugee camps sometimes for three years waiting for asylum, and helping people. Now we're helping people get jobs, um, finish school, uh, find apartments, basically helping people to start their life in Croatia. Yeah, yeah. I think on that slide about the refugee work, it mentioned some of that, like the crossing and then they're 
the jobs, language, integration into the community and all that. And so the church is helping to facilitate yeah, that. Yeah, the church is helping with yeah. that. Yeah. And so what part do you play in all of that? So one of the main things that we do, like we're not working inside a refugee camp anymore. At one point we were, but but COVID restrictions, there's a lot of things that, that changed very quickly. And so what we focus on with um, Middle Eastern refugees is what we would call something like presence ministry. And what we mean is that we are going to intentionally be a part of the everyday lives of people, um, you know, helping them get a job, yeah. um, helping them, or maybe even just get it going for coffee or going um, to dinner, visiting their homes, stuff like this, because these people have left their entire um, livelihood, time, yeah. yeah, families, friends, and now they're in a country where they don't speak the language, they have to start completely over, a lot of them came with careers that they can't transfer to Croatia, and it's it's hard. And so we're just trying to be present in their lives to show that show God's love yeah. through that, and to show um, that there's people who care about them. And so that's what I, I would mostly do with that is I, I'll go visit people, um, I'll sit for coffee, I'll go visit their homes, that kind of thing. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that aspect of it too. Right, you're really jumping into like where they're at in their lives, and it's just really relatable and I think there's um, a lot of talk about like helping without hurting right I think there's a book that talks about this and missions work too and it just sounds like you guys are such a light in these lives of and you're building community for them like you said when they've left everything behind and talk about you know dependence on God in those situations um, do you find that most of these people come with a dependence on God as they're traveling through that process or is that something they're gaining along the way it depends yeah um I, I kind of split it up into three different groups. Of course, everybody's different. Yeah. But you have people who come from the Middle East who are Muslim, and they will come to our church as Muslim. We've had like, a lot of people come wearing hijab, um, and they come to our church because they sometimes aren't even interested in, in Christianity. Yeah. They come because there's a sense of community, um, a family. They can speak Arabic or um, Persian, all these languages, and so they feel at home. So we actually had, for example, a lady from, from Palestine who came to our church. And she, when she first came, she wore hijab. Eventually, she went to Germany. She came back after like a year and a half, and that's when I met her. Nice. And she was Muslim. She wasn't interested, but she loved the church. And she started to say that the church is her family. Mm. And she would come early to church. She would come and make the tea and the coffee. And she would say, I'm her sister. She would say, our pastor is her mother. All these things, but she wasn't interested in becoming a Christian. Eventually, after months of going there, she started to become more open to it. And she had an interest in God, and she would ask us to pray for her, and eventually accepted Christ. Yeah. And so, and she would say, like, the church is my family, and this is, like, my, my home, yeah. practically. Yeah, I think that's really relatable, too, as you were even talking about, like, they make the coffee and, like, the tea. Like, we're doing that out there, too, right? Like, um, I think that that's super relatable. That and that's her way of um, showing that, like, she wants to serve in this yeah. this community. And now, back back to the question. I went on a little tangent, but um, there's other people who come as Christians. Yeah. Um, in Syria, there's a lot of Orthodox Christians who, who came. Um, some people come, and they're just so tired of religion that they don't really have an interest, or they came from Islamic countries, and they, because of religious persecution or um, domestic abuse, and yeah. they have an interest in God, but they, they're not 
um, really all that interested at the time to, to grow their faith. But what we kind of stand by is that no matter what background people come from, and a lot of, of these refugees, they don't stay in Croatia. They, they come for a time, and then they move on. Yeah. Um, but no matter what time we have, how long we have these people, no matter where they come from or their background or where they are in their faith, we're going to pour into them no matter what. We're going to plant seeds. And then as they go on, God is faithful to, to continue to grow those seeds. Yeah, He'll bring people into their lives. And yeah. Yeah. No, and I, I, that's so great, too, because I think a lot of us can find ourselves in situations, too, where, like, right now we're going through a lot. And maybe not at that degree, right, that some of these refugees are facing in the tribulations and trials of their life, but everyone kind of has that. And it can be really hard to push forward with your exploration of God, or even if you have that relationship, to turn to him in those times, because it just feels really difficult. So I think that's also really relatable. But I know you had a story to share as well about some cool things that you've seen happen um, along your journey, too. Yeah, actually, this kind of ties in with another aspect of our work in Croatia. Um, if you go to the slide, um, the Shemish train station. I know that doesn't look like it would say Shemish, but that's how you that's how you <laughs> I say it. I was questioning that. Good job back there on slides. I know. You figured I, that out. Train station she's probably got it. Yeah, yeah, train station. Yeah. <laughs> nope. That was the Polish language for you. That's Shemish. Wow. Um, this uh, past fall, I had the opportunity to go work at the border of Poland and Ukraine for a little bit. There's lots of Ukrainian refugees, millions and millions of people who have left Ukraine and are seeking asylum in various European countries. And Croatia is one of them, but for like 10 days or so, I was at the border. And this is the first place, if they're traveling by train, where you get to uh, in Poland when you leave Ukraine. And actually what that means is that it's the first place you get to outside of a war zone, yeah. practically. And so. Most of these refugees are mothers and children leaving their country, um, carrying tons of bags. And um, yeah, so that first picture is basically what the volunteers do there. They, they go in, um, and when the trains come in, they meet refugees and they help people carry bags. They give information. Um, if the people need a um, place to sleep, they'll help them find that, that kind of thing. Just receiving people and, and um, helping them with whatever they might need. Yeah. And while I was there, I um, came in contact with um, some Romani families. And um, can you tell us a little bit of what Romani is or means? Yeah. Yeah. So the Romani people, um, they came over to to um, uh, Europe. They are um, a group that migrated from Europe, uh, from India to Europe about a thousand years ago. Okay. And it's a group that there's a lot of um, discrimination and racism, and they've always been kind of pushed to the side um, throughout history. Mm -hmm. uh, you look at World War II, and they were in the groups that were um, that had a lot of genocide, and um, even in um, the the various Balkan wars, it's the same thing. And so it's a it's a group of people that have been pushed down um, for a long time, and that's led them to. Um, drug and alcohol abuse. There's a lot of them that are outside begging. It's generational poverty. Um, and then there's other things that are prevalent, like dom domestic abuse, child marriage. Um, lots of children are not 
um, finishing school. It's the numbers of dropouts go very, very high as the, they get older. And so it's a very low percentage that will actually finish high school. And in, in Shemesh, I came across this family, and they were just treated horribly. Um, very, they were a Ukrainian Roma family who was, um, they came as refugees. And at Shemesh, in Shemesh, there were many NGOs, there were lots of volunteers, and even some volunteers were actually calling the children like derogatory names. And it was, they, they slept outside for some, some of the time. And I had met them the first day they were there. We got them connected with, um, with an organization that provided a place for them to sleep for a night. And, but the rule was, if you had been there for one night, you could never come back again. So this family was a family of 13. Wow. All the way from a little baby to the parents. And after that night... Um, I met them again a few days later, and while they were in Poland, they were just, again, treated terribly. They were sleeping outside. They, um, again, called names. They weren't getting a lot of support. Yeah. And the problem was that they had all of the papers for their children, all the passports, everything, mm -hmm. but the parents didn't have, um, they only had copies of their passports, not their original documents. And that's um, another kind of, common thing with Roma people is not have all of their papers. And so once they got to Poland, they couldn't go anywhere else. And they were there for, I don't know, four days, treated terribly. They were stuck practically. And so eventually they just said, we'll go back to Ukraine. Wow. And so when we met them again, they had tried to get into to the line to go back to Ukraine. And that night, it was the evening, it was raining. And a couple of volunteers and I walked over to this area. And we found this family underneath a tree in the rain, all huddling together. All of the children are crying. They're wet. They're cold. And what happened was they were kicked out of the line. And so we went and talked with them a little bit. We sat in the line with them to make sure they got through. But as they got to passport control, the, um, all we saw was the guard point them back to the door. They couldn't even get back into Ukraine. And so they were stuck where they were. They couldn't go anywhere. And that night, we, we tried to kind of help the, the, lift the spirits a little bit. We went and got glow sticks for the children. Oh. We played with them. We, we got them a hotel that night. Mm -hmm. And as we were um, walking back through the train station, there were some Polish military guards there. And... One of them actually came up to me, and he came up and he grabbed the lanyard on my neck. Mm. And that has all of our registration. And what, what happened was he was saying that we had done the registration wrong. We hadn't. And luckily, I had um, kind of befriended another one of the, the guards that was working that evening. And she was talking to him, and she told me, I have no idea <laughs> what, what he's doing. And it turns out... What was most likely was that he was intimidating us out of working with this Romani family yeah. because um, they think that these Roma families will talk to each other and then more will come because they received help. Yeah. So they didn't want anyone to help this family. And, you know, everything turned out okay. We got it worked out with the guards and we got this family into a hotel that evening. And the next morning we came out and this whole family was outside of the train station 
but it was just such a, a, a stark difference where as the previous night, they were cold and wet and crying and pretty much they had no hopeless. They had no idea what they were going to do. Mm -hmm. And then the next morning, all the kids are smiling. And when they saw us, they were waving. And it just made me think what a difference it makes when someone showed them just a little bit of kindness. Yeah. You know, all we did was got them booked in a hotel. Yeah. And that made that changed um, a lot for them. Now, I don't know what that family um, ended up doing. I know that that day they went to a place for document recovery. And my guess is that way they went back to Ukraine. But I don't know what happened to them yeah. after that. Yeah, but like you were saying earlier too, right? You plant the seed and you show that kindness and that love. And it's hard to know where that goes or what, what that result is, right? But you know that with your dependence on God that you're doing in that moment the thing you need to do. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and so is there anything else that you wanted to share with us before we share with the audience some ways that they can support you? Yeah, I actually wanted to talk about how um, that experience in, in Croatia and in, in Poland actually kind of inspired what I'll be working on okay. in, in Croatia this next year. Yeah. Um, after, after that happened, with the situation with this family, I honestly had never seen anybody treated as horribly mm -hmm. as they were. And in Croatia, we were looking for a way to get involved in our community as something um, to serve in our community, to volunteer. And so the next day, I called our, um, um, our, our lead pastor in Croatia. And I, I said, I want us to try to work with Romani people because there's lots of people in Croatia. And so that's what we're going to be working on. That's what I'll be working on when I go back to Croatia in a few weeks. And Honestly, I have no idea what it'll look like yet. Um, all I know is that this is the direction that God's leading, and he'll open the doors um, for us to do that. And yeah. so, Looks like you have some great ideas up here, an after-school program, some job training, and community development for a population that really needs it, that hasn't seen that kind of love in a while, it sounds like. So that's amazing. And I think it's just another example of a way that God is providing, right? Uh, it might not be the result that you had envisioned for your time in Croatia, but definitely a way that God's leading you to something really powerful and impactful for the community. Yeah. Well, thank you, Danielle, for sharing all of this with us. Um, and Danielle, like she said, it's funded solely by sponsorship, right, and the funds of those who give. So there are some cards um, on our back table that you can check out um, with Danielle's information, prayer cards. Um, I know she has some things on the slide about how to get involved by praying for her too and supporting her in that way. And just ways that you can be, ministry is everywhere. There are so many examples of how um, the things you were saying are also what we can do here in, um, in our communities, right? And be that example for others and that kind of love. And then giving financially, she has a link. There's a link on the card. And also if you give through our Infuse app or any of our other methods of giving and designate missions, that that money can also be designated towards Danielle as well. So if you feel called to give in that way, but again, supporting her even through prayer or getting involved in your local community are great options. So thank you, Danielle. Yeah, thank you. And if you guys have more uh, questions about ministry in Croatia, living in Croatia, any of these things, like come and talk to me. Yeah. There's so much more that, that, that we could go into and yeah. I'd love to share. Yeah, yep, and so Danielle will be after service um, sticking around back there if you want to say hi and get to know her more. So thank you. 
Yeah, now this is like the Thank exit you, music from the talk show. Yep. Good. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, well, to wrap it all up today, guys, I just want to tell you um, that the big takeaway here, right? I have a verse that I was going to share, but for the sake of time, I, you guys can check it out. It's Matthew chapter 6. You can put it on the screen real quick, Tina, if you want. Um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 27. Look it up this week. Check it out. Take it into your daily lives, right? And just the way that God can provide. We're so worried. We're so wrapped up sometimes in the ways that we're trying to provide for ourselves. But if we can remind ourselves, our purpose is not our career. It's our creator, right? The, like Danielle shared, there's so many people out there going through so much. And there's so many ways that we can help people even here in our local community if we remember that the result in the end comes from our provider. So as we take it home today, I just want you guys to remember that God will provide. And I was going to make you say it with me, not because I think that's really cheesy, so I would normally not do that. But research shows this is how we remember things, people. So we got to say it together. God will provide. One more time in case you missed it the first time. God will provide. So just take that with you this week and this month as you continue on your journey. Um, we're going to have our worship team come up as we sing one final song together. Um, before they do that, let me pray for all of us and pray for Danielle this morning. Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for the ways in which you are providing. And know that it can be really tricky for us to always see those things, to feel those ways that you're providing. Because we're really caught up in trying to achieve those results. Help to remind us that no matter what it is that we're walking through, no matter where we find ourselves on that journey, on running those bases, on achieving those goals, that you're there and that you're working too. That you are the one we can depend on. And when we can rely on you, God, when we turn to you as our provider, just the way that things can change, the way our perspective can shift, the way that our acts, our actions can change. And it's such an amazing thing. I pray for all of those listening today to Danielle's words and to her ministry that we can just be impacted by the amazing way that you are providing, not only for her and her mission's work, but for all of the people that she's impacting as well. I pray, God, that we can take this to heart and turn to you as our provider, no matter where we're at and what we're going through. We pray these things in your name. Amen.